Welcome to Glitch Please, the show where we talk about video games and all the things that we love and hate about them. I'm Ashley. I'm Gus. I'm Ryan. And today we're going to be talking about a bunch of things. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, about uh, the latest current events. There's actually a couple of big things that happened this week uh, that we want to dig into a little bit more. Um, talk about uh, summer games droughts and using the opportunity to catch up on backlogs. And also, in honor of No Man's Sky's first birthday, uh, games that get better over time and also wanted, happy birthday no man's sky happy birthday no man's sky you made it uh and also want to thank our sponsor for this episode me undies because everyone deserves some soft protection on their junk but we'll talk about that later i don't think that's their tagline mm -hmm. you don't no, no. It, could it should be. be it should be i look i love that stuff it's completely taken over my underwear girl. yes uh but before we get into all that stuff what have you guys been playing Okay, hold on. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Can we get some? Like we, we need a shot glass. He's got. I, I wasn't going to bring it up. You asked me. You did ask. It's been. I did ask. That was the mistake. Yeah, that. That's all. <laughs> all right. That's and it. Moving on. Uh, I mean, aside from that, uh, it's it's become like the thing we don't want to talk about, like your grandmother's alcohol addiction or something. <laughs> uh, it's uh, no. Um, uh, Tuesday, I actually tested out on Adam's recommendation, uh, Darkest Dungeon. What'd you think? It's very complicated. Uh, there's a lot of, of systems going on there, and uh, you know the, the whole system being of, of stress, it makes it very challenging to navigate, especially when on your second week back, your ability to reduce stress in your characters is reduced by 20% by an affliction. So this is the game where you go into a dungeon and your characters suffer psychological stress and you have to try to maintain them, calm them down in order to spend more time in the dungeon. So it's a side-scroller, uh, but it's it's kind of a top map selection. Okay, it's, it's a little hard to explain. So <laughs> you enter a dungeon, you get kind of like a top-down map of it, and you can pick from branching directions and you walk down a side-scrolling path and will encounter loot or enemies and then you have to fight them. Uh, and as you take damage and encounter things, your, your characters get progressively more stressed out. And as they get stressed out, they start to develop traits. Uh, very similar to, um, oh gosh, what's the other game that, that happens a lot? Uh, it's slipping my brain, I'll remember it in a minute. Um, but yeah, so they'll get like positive and negative traits, like maybe they'll be better about killing monsters, but they also are scared in the dark. Uh, and there are several things you can do to mitigate that, like have torches lit and, and things like that. And it's... Take a teddy bear. I played it on the easiest skill level, which is how it recommends you start to get used to it. And uh, it, it's hard. Uh, is it, uh, is, are these randomly generated dungeons or is it, I is it so. a bit of a roguelike where you're intended to just play it over and over and over very, you know, in shorter bursts? to some degree, and it uses that generation to keep it fresh every time? I mean, there's different uh, quests that you can go on, basically different quest areas, and as you do them, the quest areas level up. Uh, your characters also level up, though I don't get the impression that you're meant to have your characters for very long. Uh, I mean, you can... You mean, like, XCOM don't necessarily get attached <coughs> to specific characters? Just don't get attached. Uh, it's, it's not... Uh, the trait system I was thinking of is actually... Um, do they have a cork? Uh, they do, actually. That's like the Plague Doctor mask. Ah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting combat system because it's all based on, see that line of four people? You assemble your party, and where they're positioned in the party depends on what skills they can use. 
So some of them have skills that are more useful if they're in the third position rather than in the first position. Supposedly, your first position is supposed to take more of the damage. In my experience, it seemed like they really spread it out uh, along the party pretty evenly. Um, but yeah, so you, and you'll have to manage that kind of thing. Like sometimes you'll get hit, and your guy in your first position will get knocked back to like the second position. Or sometimes a character will have like a hook, uh, a scorpion-esque kind of summoning move where he can throw a chain and hook and pull him to the front of the line. Uh, and then you know there's stuns and all sorts of things that you can manage them. The trait system I was thinking of is uh, from XCOM. No, it's actually. I had it, and then I lost it again. So close, right? It's a, it's Rogue RTS. Legacy? It's, uh, the, um, Are you talking about Rogue Legacy, Ryan? No, no, no. It's a, it's an, it's an RTS game that is. Uh, Name that game. The new segment on Glitch, please. Medieval Total War. Total War. Mm. The Total nice War work. series. Well done. I got there. It's, it's like I played a shitload of it. But you'd have uh, generals and such that, as they would fight, they would get like good things and bad things. Like they maybe good at killing bad guys or killing, uh, slaughtering other armies, and so they're better at raising morale, but also uh, have syphilis, and so they just... Well, they tend to sacrifice themselves constantly? Syphilis, like they uh, mm. spread diseases to ladies, and oh. so don't get children I or thought something. You said, yeah, was, I thought you said selfless. I, th I thought yeah. you said selfless also. No, no, but yeah. yes, you're right. Syphilis, syphilis does sound yeah. a little bit more directly. Total War didn't, didn't mess around. It was like, oh yeah, they're a great leader, but they will definitely kill people if they sex them. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> um, so I've, I've, been, I've actually been playing Minecraft, believe it or not. Really? The, well, so the, what platform? The, PC, the oh. family started up a realm, uh, and so we actually went back. The last time I played Minecraft was several years ago, and it was a LAN server that we played on, and it was stored on my old laptop. And so since I've retired that laptop, that server has just sort of gone away. Mm -hmm. So we made a, a mission of actually hunting down that laptop, seeing if it would still work. It totally does. So we took a little trip down memory lane and then went back to our realm to start building new stuff because... There was only so much of the old stuff we wanted yeah. to, you know. It, it, I don't think we'd have stayed hooked if we were just back in the old stuff, can, mm -hmm. you know, picking up where we left off years ago. So we started a new, a new realm and a new build, and so it's uh, me and Bernie and the boys, and we're all playing together, and we, you know, journey through and set up. We're like, we're all setting up base in this jungle, and then everyone starts their own builds, and Teddy goes off and dies a whole bunch, <laughs> uh, but discovers a lot of really crazy, awesome stuff. And Bernie will just explore. constantly, yeah, everyone's got their roles. Uh, JD's a builder; he's he's great at building. Uh, Teddy is a adventurer; he's a wanderer. He doesn't like staying in one place building stuff. Bernie is a miner; he just likes going, digging down to like level eight, building one of those like sort of pinwheel mines for diamonds. And that's his Wheel zen. Minutes. So what the most efficient way you can mine for diamonds in Minecraft is you go down, we pick level eight, and you do a basically a, a cross of, of big tunnels. And then off the right side of each tunnel, you every other block dig out. So you start... Um, okay. Uh, it basically helps you cover an entire grid methodically. Hmm. So if you do, uh, I don't have a paper or pen or anything, but basically you, so you have your arms and then off this arm, you do every other, here we go. Ah. You do every other one and just like out, just like draw it out. So that you and then if you want to, you, you can every, dig a back every channel. Block. Every block. Exactly, gotcha. you will encounter every, every block for two <clears> vertical <throat> levels. 
it wow. can be a little bit difficult if you encounter something like lava because then you have to dig your way around a pit and it messes things up. Yeah. But uh, that's the the way to do it. If you want to make sure you cover an area, mm -hmm. you will find any diamond that is in that area. What's you'll the find everything? On that? You'll find everything that's in that area. Uh, it's not bad, actually. The return yeah. isn't too bad. You find it's not always diamond. Sometimes it's you know lapis, or sometimes yeah. it's redstone, or something else. But there is a lot of stuff down there, and that way you do get all of it. Also, it's just kind of Bernie's zen. Just likes to. He just likes knocking the blocks. The area. Mm -hmm. yeah. I will say that's one of the things I kind of have liked about Sky Factory, which is. You don't have to mine ever. Now you've been, you guys have been playing a lot of Sky Factory lately. What is different about it? So, well, it's a, it's an assemblage of quite a few mod packs. So it's uh, I, I forget how many are in there, but um, and that's all Sky Factory is. Is it's a bunch of mods put together with kind of a loose framework of uh, an achievement book to give you a direction to kind of what you're working on. But it's all self-directed. So even the achievement book is just a, a check box system that you check off yourself. It doesn't track what you're doing at all. Well, I mean, it's nice, though, because it gives you kind of an idea of what to go, where to go. It's like, what should I do today? Well, let me just take a look at the achievement book. Oh, okay, I haven't automated my resource collection. I'll do that. But after a really slow start, which, I mean, you literally start with a block of dirt with a tree on it and a couple things in your inventory, like a little bit of food. That's about, that's it. <clears throat> so you have to you know, work your way down this tree, get enough wood to build a bigger platform, get a, uh, a sapling, plant it in your block of dirt, grow the sapling, which you can do by just crouching next to it really quickly. It gives it a, it makes it grow. That's basically like throwing bone meal on it. It's just crouching. It's hump the tree. Okay. You hump the tree. Okay. Hump, what you do. hump the tree you to hump life. The tree you give it the real it good grows. bone meal. You do. You give it a fine bone mealing. Um, and then it, you know, rinse, repeat until you've built out a platform. And then from there you can, uh, the way you get more resources is you use like leaves and you compost them in a barrel to make dirt and then you take that dirt and you like run it through a sieve to get like little pebbles and then you take the pebbles and you stick them together to get cobblestone and you take the cobblestone and you hit it with a hammer to turn it into gravel and then you can keep hitting it with a hammer if you want to turn it into sand and then dust but each of those things when run through the sieve gives you different resources uh, and so eventually that's how you start building up infrastructure. And you can get to the point where it's all automated, where there's a box that makes cobblestone, puts it in a chest, take it out of the chest, put it into an automatic hammer, takes it out of the hammer, puts it into an automatic sieve, and then puts it into a chest. And so your entire research resource production is just done completely autonomously. That sounds cool. Uh, you, you, aren't, ever... you aren't kidding about how many mods it comprises. I was going to look and read them. Uh, I mean, I... Oh, oh yeah. God! Yeah, we can't even, I, I can't even have time to read all, to go through all of that. Is everything lot. from like really small, you know, gameplay improvement mods to major overhauls like Ender IO and uh, RF tools? And yeah, there's a bunch of them in there. Have you ever played Factorio? <clears throat> I have not. So it's a game. It's about automation, mm -hmm. uh, and it's well, it's nothing like Minecraft, but it is. You start out with uh, these really basic things that you can do, and you can say get. You know, you build a machine that will mine this ore, and then you can build this other machine that can um, that can smelt it, and then you can build a, a you know a, a line between the two so that it will you know put it on there, and it will go to the next stage and do it. So it's about gradually building up these incredibly complex automated systems. It's pretty cool. It's on Steam. Recommend checking it out. It goes on sale all the time. I've seen it a few times. I haven't actually picked it up yet, but yeah, it's it's well, that part of it. <coughs> excuse me. That part of it is very much like that. There are a whole other directions you can go there. There's blood alchemy, there's 
mystical uh, architecture. There's so this is Factorio, <coughs> this is Factorio right yeah. here. So you can see how it can start out with something quite simple like a mine, and then yeah. you build up all these other systems. And if you don't know that system, then it looks like just super confusing maze. But if you built it and you know where everything is, then you can do a lot of really cool things with like building efficiency and creating all these new things. What's up? Well, I was gonna say the turnoff to me about this game is that is ugly. Like you I, play Minecraft, Ryan. I know, but look at this. This is. It reminds me of playing, you know, like SimCity 2000, or something yeah, like kinda. that. Like kind of from that era. I just mean like the incredibly industrialized. I'm not talking about the okay, graphics of the game. I just mean like, about, like you don't like the style. I don't like looking at a giant overproduced area of factory. Okay. Like that doesn't appeal to me as a human. The game is called Factorio. It is. I mean that's delivering on look this pretty. <laughs> then let's fuck maybe, it up. Maybe that's part of the story. That's, I, that's part of the, the message here. Look, is, nature's coming for it. It's like, the, this is awful. You've built a blight upon our Ryan, land. Ryan, this is a story about industrialization. It's like I would just want to go. I would want to go live out here in the woods. I would like to point out Factory that list. in one of the clips, you do see solar panels. I mean, it's nice that you can do that, but you have to cover up so much land mass with your solar panels that it really takes away from the beauty. Of <laughs> but it's, it's shading the land so it doesn't get so hot. Yeah, it's that's being nice. It's doing it a good trees. favor. They need light. Not hot. I mean, that's global cooling, Gus. That's worse. <laughs> that's an ice age. So following on last week, uh, the other game um, that I've been playing, I, and I was, it was on my list anyway, but I prioritized it uh, after Adam was talking about it, is Pyre. Mm. Mm. And uh, he, so last week he was saying he really enjoys it. He really enjoys the match elements, the, but it's the first part. It's very visual novelly. It is, by the way, I think of it as a mix um, so the first four hours are, um, they're, they are uh, definitely, they swi switch between uh, these sort of visual novel uh, adventure game storytelling elements and then sports matches. Mm. That, Which, that dog has a mustache. Look the dog has a mustache. The dog has a mustache. That's a lady and that's that what happens lady. if you spend too much time in the wastelands. So the you get really horny? horny? Yes. No, we, need, we need new jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you basically you get picked up. You're the reader. You can read books. Not allowed. You. And oh, you're not allowed to read books. Reading is illegal. Oh. Uh, and so you. It was discovered you can read. Now so you've been cast out, and you're oh. you're picked up in a desert and by these dudes with a with a wagon, uh, and they need you to guide them because if you go through the series of rites, then you can be allowed back into the Commonwealth. So they're all trying to get back in, essentially. But you have to win, and so you have to go up against other teams that are also trying to get back into the Commonwealth by winning the rights. Mm. So you take your wagon, and you journey from point to point, and then you reach a certain point, and that's where one of the rights happens. The way that Adam was telling it, uh, I felt like I was expecting a half hour to an hour between matches. It's really not. Okay. Uh, in a couple of hours, uh, like I would say it was maybe... Maybe every like 10 minutes uh, was a match, and there are optional story elements you can skip. I don't because I'm gonna, the uh, adventure mm -hmm. game player in me is gonna click on absolutely everything and go through all of it and talk to everyone that I can as much as possible before I ever move on for anything. Um, but it's not as big of a gap between the, uh, the rights matches as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get bored okay. at any point. But I will say that about of uh, two-thirds of the way through this first four-hour block, 
I did start getting to the point of like, all right, wrap it up. So you're ready for whatever the big turn. I'm ready for the big turn. Okay. So uh, I, they could have shortened that down a little bit. They are doing a lot in those first hours to set up the characters and set up the world so that you start to get a better understanding sort mm -hmm. of of the, the lore and how it's all going. And as you make progress, it unlocks pages in this book that will tell you stories about um, the, the eight sages and and uh, start to tell backstory as well. Mm -hmm. So there is reading involved. Um, you can speed it up, but you might be frustrated with it if you're a fast reader. Mm -hmm. um, I am, and I was constantly waiting for the text to catch up. Oh, you can't queue it up, like advance it? You can, um, I don't know if there's an auto advance. You can speed it up, like the mm -hmm. speed at which it, it appears, um, which I immediately did once I found that setting. And you can just sit there and space to the next page. Mm -hmm. And so it was just come up, space, come up, space, come up, space. Mm -hmm. And then it would it would progress through the story. And then occasionally there are choices you can make. Like if you mm -hmm. go through this swamp, you might find an item. If you go this other way, uh, you all get plus one quickness for the next hmm. right. Because each of the different, you can choose three characters for each right rights match, uh -huh. and each of the characters does something different. So there's a there's a little demon thing that can fly, which right. is super duper helpful, by the way. There's uh, the mustache dog that can uh, run quite fast and dodge easier. Or there's the, the big ass lady with the horns who has, a, she's very slow, mm -hmm. but she can jump and when she lands, whoever has the ball will drop it. Like if they're in range. Okay. And so there's a lot there's a lot to pick up with the game, so I can understand why they'd want to take some time early on to really introduce you to a lot of the mechanics, because it's not something I would have seen done before. Uh -huh. uh, you know, it's it will remind probably a lot of people of a Rocket League type thing, except it's not multiplayer. Right. You are controlling three characters at once, but only, well, you, move, you choose, you switch between <coughs> three, only one can move at a time, which mm -hmm. makes it easier. Uh, so if you get the ball, you're immediately on offense. If they get the ball, you can switch over to a defense character and try and defend your pyre and so on. That looks like an easy score there. Ooh. Yeah, that one was an easy one. This is uh, this is pretty early on in the game, so uh -huh. they're going easy on you. Mm. But as I progressed through that part, they got progressively more difficult. <laughs> and also you can go through... Uh, random challenges if you want to where it's one on three uh -huh. but then if you manage to win your one on three match then you get something cool out of it like a cool item so i'm actually really enjoying it yeah it seems like it's been very well reviewed so far i've been looking them over i've probably been talking here yeah yeah so far really it. it's uh it's the kind of game that it's difficult to summarize in a sentence mm -hmm. so it's gonna be difficult to sell people and uh, but it's beautiful it's by supergiant and i trust them they did great work with Fashion. They did great work with Transistor. They've done great work again. But being like, it's a religious sports game, sort of, uh -huh. uh, is, is going to, like, that could be off-putting to a lot of people. Yeah. But it plays out really naturally. Mm. Yeah, I can't believe, I was looking here, I can't believe it's been three years since Transistor came out. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that, does it? Didn't yeah. we give Transistor, like, a that was like our indie game or like downloadable game of the year I award so, yeah. uh, for the patch at some point? It's mm. a great game. Yeah, Supergiant yeah, does it. looks good. Um, so, yeah, pick that up if you get a chance. I think you'd like it. Get through the, get through the text, it's worth it. Okay. That's the main thing. Um, so a lot of things happened this week. Um, 
We should probably talk about the news. All right, news. Want to get into that? Yeah. News time. Yeah, it was. Uh, by the way, uh, not on my list of news, but three new Persona games. <laughs> got some, <laughs> you finally got, got a handheld version, but it's not for the Switch. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a little baffled by that. So Persona Q2 is coming out for the 3DS, not for the Switch, and it is a little bit baffling because I get the Nintendo is still doing a lot of hard support for the 3DS. And so they're doing these games that are on 3DS, but not Switch, so people still have a reason to get the 3DS. Mm -hmm. But Atlas isn't Nintendo. And so I'm not sure why they would be doing that if only for 3DS. Maybe dev costs are just cheaper on 3DS versus Oh, I'm sure Switch. they are. I mean, it's, when you know, have a, are definitely less robust. Yeah, when you have a 240p screen, your, uh, your <laughs> assets are going to be a lot easier <laughs> yeah. to It develop. also helps that, I'm looking here, uh, Nintendo has sold over 66 million 3DSs. There you go. Install base. That'll do it. Yeah, I think that might, that might help. <laughs> but, still, but still, I want my Persona um, Switch. But also new dancing games. So that's exciting. I don't know what that means. Is that, that, is that exciting for anybody? Uh, yeah, some people are really excited and I don't understand it yet. Again, I'm a new Persona fan. Uh, you know, Persona 5 was mm -hmm. my first Persona. I'm really happy about it now. I'm gonna go back and play Golden. Uh, this I'm gonna start this weekend. Uh, but the dancing games, I'm not quite sure about. I watched the trailer for Persona 5 Dancing Star Night, which is a title that makes no sense. Are we talking like ballroom dancing? What kind of dancing? Uh, the trailer for it just seemed like dancing. Okay. Like not dancing with anyone, just grooving. And so it's I'm a DDR-esque game. I think it's, yeah, it's a rhythm, rhythm game. game. It is a rhythm game. But beyond that, the trailer didn't show a whole lot, so I'm still a little bit confused. I don't know who I'm joking. I'll still probably play it because at this point, I'm. It's the characters that I know from Persona Five, and mm -hmm. I get to spend more time with them, and that's kind yeah. of exciting. I don't know that I'll beat it. Yeah. You get so, to spend more time with them dancing. dancing. Yes. It's more intimate. Yes. So as if I, I, I haven't played Persona, but as if to make it more confusing, the titles are Persona Five Dancing Star Night and Persona Three Dancing Moon Night. Yes. So you get to dance with the Persona Five characters and the Persona Three characters. Depending on if you want star or moon. Yes, and there was already been a Persona 4 dancing all night, I believe. Yes. So it's this is something they that like I'm, dancing I'm and gonna, they like night. They do. What <laughs> platform? Uh, PS4 and Vita, I believe. Yes. Okay. So uh -huh. this is this is like another rabbit hole of of Japanese that I'm about to mm -hmm. fall down, uh, and it should be really interesting. I'll let you know how I go. And yeah, and Persona 4 dancing all night was a Vita uh, title back in 2015. Yeah. So now that I'm uh, Vita enabled, life's about to get oh, a whole lot weirder. Oh, have you received a Vita finally, or did you buy um, one? So Andy's lent me a Vita. Uh -huh. He lent me his Vita, uh, and also uh, Lawrence is sending me a PlayStation TV or a Vita TV. I don't know uh -huh. the exact branding, but it's a Vita right. TV. Uh, so uh, I will be able to to play Persona 4 Golden, which I'm very excited about, and because no, anytime you say the words Persona 4 Golden to anyone who's played it, they're like, it's a great game. So I'm. Yeah, that sounds very promising. Well, okay, uh, so it's a rhythm game, but it's it's not. It's just played on a controller. There's. Yes, there's, it's not a dance pad game. Right. Okay. So uh, you know, th and it's been done before very very well. Uh, it was there was uh, Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm on 3DS did great. It it can be done. It's just uh, setting. Doesn't it up surprise happily. me that it exists. But you don't Gus think and so? I have never I, heard I've of never it. heard of it. 
Final oh. Fantasy Theater. Theater Rhythm. It's Theater Sorry. Rhythm is one word. Yeah, uh, Google auto-completed it for me. Okay, that that is a game. Confirmed. Does Re exist. February 2012. Ashley did not lie. Ashley is not lying to us. I got to check you every now and then. Like, is she fucking with us? <laughs> 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 to, to be honest, that could be one. Like, yeah. I, I was surprised. I was like, what is theater rhythm? But it's a it's a Final Fantasy rhythm game and is wonderful. I mean, there's enough games out there, especially like in the arcades, that it's it's a tap-based rhythm game. But does it work on a controller? Uh, it, it did with Persona 4. Everyone who played Dancing All Night seemed to quite enjoy it. Also, apparently one of the big draws of it, everyone gets new outfits. Okay, I don't care about that. I'm just talking about gameplay. Well, just so you know, Persona 5 uh, is already going to have, I think, Christmas outfits. I still don't care about that. Well, I then, should go back Ryan, and play more there is just 5. no helping you. I guess not. It's they're, what they're wearing. Look, the clothes don't make the character. They do make the cosplay. They do make the cosplay. Mm -hmm. This, this, there is a lot of cosplay <coughs> bait here. Uh, but moving on to the news that uh, that I wrote down to talk about, hey. um, Gus, here's your chance. What? PUBG versus stream sniping. So this came up, was it last week? Yeah, because this came up, um, it, was, it was after we recorded Glitch Please for the week, but I think before Glitch Please actually came out. So this happened, I want to say Friday. Yeah, it was uh, a case where Blue Hole banned a player because they said according to their logs, that player was repeatedly trying to join the lobby with someone who was streaming, uh, and they contended that the, you know, and, they, and then they then killed that guy. Snipe. Right. Since the person was streaming, they could see where they were. Uh, I don't know. I can kind of see both sides of that argument. Well, so, yeah. So, uh, the player said they weren't stream sniping. Blue Hole said, we have data here showing you were server hopping repeatedly, and then you killed the guy. That looks a lot like stream sniping to us. Regardless of that, though, should stream sniping be a bannable offense? Is the is by virtue of choosing to publicly broadcast your location in a game? I will say, are you asking in, for it? In the case of Battlegrounds, I think it should be a bannable offense because it's not like you can easily find someone and join them. You're going out of your way mm -hmm. in this case to mm -hmm. repeatedly try to find I them. Would, I would argue as a that streamer, that... you're also broadcasting your location. You are giving any potential opponents a leg up on you by telling the entire world where you are. Yeah, and we saw that when we did our E3 streams. Right. We absolutely had people that would hunt down us specifically because they could see where we were. Mm -hmm. But we didn't go banning people over it. Yeah, because well, we're, we're, I mean, we, like, we weren't making go. our living doing that either. Plus, well, that was a private server. The streamers server, aren't so. exactly making their living by winning. They're making their living by playing. Yeah, no, but, no, but streaming is is somewhat dependent on you not completely sucking yeah. at whatever you're playing. There's a lot but of downtime between matches. is it or is it not matches? your responsibility? I, look, I would to <laughs> then to accommodate for that. If you need to, if you want to win. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I don't know, don't stream it, add a delay. Sure, it's going to impact your chat, but you have a choice to make. It's your responsibility. But streaming is so chat dependent. I mean, I feel like putting a delay like just puts you know, the streamer at a disadvantage. I, I would really agree with that. I was kind of shocked when this whole thing came up that uh, there was a, a big Twitter battle that kind of started around Total Biscuit. Yeah. Which I'd never really, I didn't don't know much about him because uh, I just don't consume the kind of media I produce. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, traitor. I was really surprised to see how vehement he was about, um, it really say, very d down on the idea of the streamer chat relationship. Like, mm -hmm. he seemed to be completely against the idea that a streamer should 
in any way need a chat interaction to put on a good show. Uh, his, his stance seemed to be that I'm going to do my show and I don't need the chat at all and shouldn't need the chat and so I can put a 10 minute delay on it and it's fine. Well, Total Biscuit's also the type of personality who, uh, you know, bless him, he can talk for 40 minutes straight on yeah. a subject without needing to stop for breath. And he has a lot of insights to offer. He has a lot to say. He doesn't need necessarily to have chat prompts from chat in order to maintain his own momentum of his discussion. But not everyone is Total Biscuit. Not everyone can do that. Well, However, I mean, that aside, though, I, mean, I, I just think it's like I don't like streamers crying foul when they have the ability yeah. to accommodate for something, but they choose not to because it has other downsides. I mean, it's completely aside. From, well, I agree with that. Um, and then completely aside from whether you can run a narrative on your own, I mean, streaming by its, its nature, if you don't need, if you, if the chat means nothing to you, uh, then they just make a YouTube video. This, the, the streaming live aspect of it is that, not, and even if you're not interacting with them, if you're not looking to them for prompts, uh, it seems just from my experience on streaming that being uh, them being an active live audience, and in some ways that doesn't mean you have to interact with them all the time, but them being a live audience and knowing that uh, there's a connection between the streamer and the and the viewer, and that seems like a much more important part of being a streamer to me mm -hmm. than uh, than just doing a show that you could record and just having them there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, you know, in that case. Uh, don't play to win, or just like acknowledge that you are giving up an advantage. I and having played a lot of, of battlegrounds, it would it's a lot of work if you wanted to like get in a match with a specific person. Yeah, uh, that there there is no easy way to do that unless uh -uh. You, that person has accepted an invite and you're partied up together. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's just not something that I could for all the work that they would have to go through to maybe get you once. Whatever, let them have it. Yeah, I mean, this uh—it's this isn't the first game where stream sniping has been an issue. Uh, it happened in Hearthstone because people could then see other oh, people's cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it happened with StarCraft 2, and Blizzard's response was, that's your responsibility. I agree. And that's not a bannable thing. If you want to stream something, if you want to give up that advantage, then you may do so. It's not our responsibility if people use it to their advantage. Yeah, I, no, I would agree. If you're putting that information out there, you are just, it's as if you're playing card games, especially. It's as if you just turn your hand around, and that's how you want to play. Right. And that's fine. I mean, you've, you've made that choice. Uh, that's not what being a streamer is about. Right. So I just, I, I don't like it being a bannable offense. Think, yeah. Okay. So the, the, the big problem I have and that I see is with this game particularly is how long it takes, there's how long downtime is between matches. You know, if you die, you go back to lobby, find a new match, got a minute to start up go jump out, land, find all your shit, and it's like you get sniped. It's like there's a lot of downtime then. Mm -hmm. And I think from a streaming perspective, maybe that's not as entertaining. Mm -hmm. uh, but Although you'll, you'll, that downtime is, is the perfect time to talk to your chat. Yeah, but if they won't, they'll be upset if uh, you're, they're not watching you play a game. That being said, I think you all are swaying my mind a little bit on this topic. <laughs> uh, what's the process? Like, if you wanted to get in a, a match with somebody that was streaming, so... I, I, I can't imagine how you do that. All I there can think is... is um, apparently there's a small number in like the bottom corner of the screen, uh, and that, that indicates server what number? server you're on. That's and so you can't. How do you find the so you can't. Server. You can't. You have to hop. 
and then keep, until you find it? Until you I end mean, up in the server with the same As number. I'm thinking about it, it's like, okay, so if I, I know roughly when you're going to start a game because you're saying, mm -hmm. oh, you, you, I can see you in the lobby. So then I try and find a game. And if I get into it and I, it's not the right one, then I exit and drop it. Yeah. But you could easily I, obscure the server number. If that's really what they're using, just obscure the server number. But I, what I have seen, put your camera over it. Well, what I have seen uh, some streamers that I watch, mm -hmm. hey, but they can do. Can you check on that? Just sure. fact check me is, really quick. If that's the, if the, I remember reading that it was a number in the corner, but Battlegrounds well, is not a game that I uh, typically play. What I've seen is once uh, a couple of streamers I watch, once they die, they remove the game feed, and then they don't put it back up until they're jumping out of the plane or landing on the ground. Yeah, that way they obscure the whole joining yeah. the lobby process. Like by the yeah. the only time you see them is when they're actually in the game, and with a game like Battlegrounds, you cannot jump into that server once it's started. Yeah. So okay. I mean that might be that's or obscuring the the server number might be the, the solutions to to that. And even then, I mean, uh, so your next so you let's say you get into the game with them, uh, your best bet at that point, <clears> I guess, is to watch on the stream for when they jump out. And then try and get a sense of where they're going. There's even on the best streams, though, there's still a delay, a few seconds. So a four-second delay is a pretty hefty amount of time to still be in the plane. Uh, and then try and angle your way over to them. It's You could do that. You could do it. But once you're on the ground, it takes quite a bit of work to get to where somebody is. And then you're watching two things at once. It's a lot of work to so do actually, that. Uh, the server you're connected to shows on the bottom of the screen below your currently selected weapon. Uh, so in theory, one could watch what a server a streaming or what server a streamer connects to in the lobby, then keep joining lobbies until they're in the same one. I mean, see, it's very doable, but a lot of work to do. Yeah, there, there, and there's there's ways we found some solutions around this. So mm. y'all changed my mind. So this should not be a bannable offense. So you can all streamers, take those solutions. Streamers and should work to. Uh, it's a stupid yeah. ban. All right. If great. it bothers you, obscure it. I'm glad we ha that we have come to an accord, uh, because. We have some sad news. Uh-oh. Bioware Montreal, no more. It is being merged into Motive Studios, EA's studio in Montreal, the one that is uh, working on the Battlefront 2 campaign. Although, uh, since Battlefront 2 comes out pretty soon, I'm sure they're just wrapping that up and doing polished work, but also working on Jade Raymond's new IP for EA. Hmm. Uh, and so they, this has been speculated about for a while. There was the whole thing coming up that maybe we wouldn't be getting any Mass Effect Andromeda DLC because uh, so many of the developers had been um, reshuffled to assist motive on their projects. And so it was sort of quietly in the works for a while, but following a recent investor call, EA has confirmed they are merging Bioware Montreal into motive. Well, so effectively, well, it's not that sad in that everyone still has jobs. Yes. So as far as studio shutdowns go, this is kind of a win for everyone who still has a job. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, it's less of like a tragic event. However, it does mean that uh, we will almost certainly not see Quarry and Arc DLC or any sort of story DLC for Mass Effect Andromeda at all. We knew that that was up in the air, mm -hmm. maybe looking more unlikely uh, based on the... Uh, critical feedback from the game, but they also, in their investor call, said that Mass Effect made them money. I mean, story DLC has been kind of a slow death in the past few years. This, uh, Witcher had some... Witcher had some awesome Witcher DLC. Witcher had some awesome it DLC, had, but... I, in like, fact, I almost hesitate. I know it's now all just all DLC, but those were expansions. Those were huge chunks of content. That yeah. was, there was, what, like, one was 
what, 10 hours? The other was 20 hours? It was a lot of additional gameplay they added in. I'm trying to think of another game that really delivered on DLC, story DLC, after its launch, though, in recent memory. The only other one I can think of that's coming up, and it's not out yet, so I can't really pass judgment on it, is XCOM 2 War of the Chosen. That's fair. XCOM has had several, and uh, it sounds like Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah, Zero Dawn. But we still really don't know much That's about true. that. I still. It does uh, seem like their story, though, because she talks to somebody. Yes. There's like a cutscene or something. Well, and we've also <coughs> got, in fact, it comes out uh, later this month, uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy is adding an entirely new story. Like, but that's not even really characters. DLC. It's a standalone. It is, but it's attached. Yeah, but you don't need the original game to run that. That's like how the distinction in my mind. Okay, so you're saying that, like, if it is, like, if, if you have to own the original game in order to play this game, that's then it DLC. Has to be a DLC. Right. If you, if you can go and buy it on its own, you don't need the original one. Then it's like a standalone. Do you remember when you when you bought an expansion for something and it came with the original game on the disc plus the expansion? Yeah, like, so uh, you were essentially buying the whole game Starcraft over again. Was like that. Uh, I remember doing that Rude with uh, Morrowind. I think. Uh, yes. And that being said, I think I may have just contradicted myself. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, yeah, you do need XCOM 2 for War of the Chosen. Okay. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, so, it's a little bit of sad news. The, you know, BioWare Montreal was a rookie studio. They fucked up. And they've been essentially <clears throat> shut down. They do all still have jobs, so that's the, that's the silver lining. sure line. somebody doesn't, but yes, not, there, not all merges are one-to-one. One. So, I didn't realize that that uh, <coughs> Jade Raymond project that Motive's working on is that uh, Untitled Star Wars game that's being co-developed with Visceral. Yeah, that's the one she's working with Amy Hennig on it. Yeah. So, uh, Visceral and like EA snapped up a lot of talent to build this IP around. And supposedly, it's rumored that uh, we don't know anything about that title for sure yet, but that it's uh, sort of open world, action-y, RPG-y, um, and RPG based RPG-ee. And that yes. it, because Jade Raymond is on board, that it's going to have a lot of Assassin's Creed-like elements. Interesting. Has there ever been an IP where we didn't get more titles that were developed than Star Wars? I, did I phrase that badly? No, yeah, I, I, I know no what you mean. What you like, there's yeah. so many Star Wars games like, that just didn't happen. Yeah, that got a long way into development and, and then just, just never yeah, were. Like 1313. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Star Wars license is a tricky one for sure, but I'm I'm very curious to see what happens, and I'm also very curious to see what the BioWare Montreal developers do under new guidance. Because when you'd be like, hey guys, the Mass Effect Andromeda people are working on the new IP. Does not inspire confidence. <laughs> but it may also, do, you know, you get the, the creative heads at the top and they everything comes down from there. I mean, say what you will about Andromeda. It, it was the a, gameplay was fun. It was an expansive game. Um, yeah, there's a lot that I did find to enjoy in Mass Effect Andromeda, but it was not a finished product that should have shipped out. I think that sounds like more of the issue is if they... You can make a big game, and you can make a good game, and you can make a fast game, but you can't make all three. Mm. Yeah. And it would have been very helpful if EA hadn't said at the beginning of the year, sure, we could give it another six months if we felt like it yeah. needed it, but it doesn't. And then it came out, and everyone was like, you know what it really could have used? Six, six months. months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, regardless, you know, RIP BioWare Montreal, but yay for having jobs still. One quick side okay. note. So you're yeah. talking about... Star Wars games that never materialized. Yeah, I, I I don't know how I'd never heard this story before, but I heard a story about uh, name ideas that George Lucas pitched during the Force Unleashed. Uh, was it the Force Unleashed? Yes. 
uh, I guess they were looking for names for Vader's apprentices, uh -huh. and George Lucas suggested either Darth Insanius or Darth Icky. <laughs> Darth Icky? Icky? I-C-K-Y. I-C-K-Y. Darth Icky. And, uh, it just oh, makes you feel oh, real unclean. Oh no, Darth Icky's Here coming. Here Darth Icky. So yeah, they kind of uh, <laughs> It I sounds guess, like some sort of weird, like, chibi Sith. <laughs> I hate to say it, but with George Lucas, every now and again, you'll you'll sit down or watch an interview with him and go like, ooh, he just kind of got lucky, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, also, I don't want to get too far off in the weeds because this is theoretically a video game podcast, but I will say that Star Wars was so heavily influenced by so many other things, like, I don't know, Valerian. I would like, I love the, the uh, Valerian and Laurelin comics, Amazing, mm. but you can go through it and like pain by pain. You can see really? Darth Vader. You can, yeah, you can see the the Millennium Falcon design. You can see so much stuff that, that just seems like out, it was though? like pulled across. Well, the Valerian movie, oddly enough, isn't. Um, I've heard terrible things. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. No, well, I I went into it expecting a total train wreck based on reviews, but I went to see it anyway because I loved the uh -huh. the graphic novels and. Uh, every, what everyone says is true about the characters. The two lead characters are the most boring, milquetoast thing about the entire movie. Unlikable, I hear. Yes. Um, whereas, like, all the characters around them mm -hmm. are so much more interesting and compelling, and I would have just rather spent more time with those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but the world they travel through is really spectacular. It looked pretty. Yeah. It and it lo yeah, it looks gorgeous. The world's super interesting, really, really cool. It's just that they got leads with negative charisma, and I don't know how they did it. Huh. Uh, but aside from the fact that you have to spend two hours with those guys, you know, sulking. So here we go. Here's a picture. Here's like picture by picture comparisons. There's the Millennium Falcon. Uh, here's Princess Leia in her sweet ass bikini. There's the Carbonite. Um, there's uh, there's Darth Vader without his helmet. There's Darth Vader with his helmet. It's like there are so many things that are straight up rips. Oh, and don't forget Watto. Oh yeah, I'm it's sorry. So and Watto. Weird addendum there. To and Watto. But look, they didn't stop stealing. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, uh, yeah, and there's a couple of other things too. But it's just so many of the really cool, visual, iconic elements of Star Wars. They're not original. Yeah, I don't know. A, a lot of those I could chalk up to being coincidence. I think the most damning one is the Carbonite, though. It's even called whatever that the the Empire no, it's in of. The million Empire. planets or something. Um, oh, you city, yeah. city of a thousand planets um, is the the name of the movie. Um, but it's based on so the the movie is based on a like very loosely based on the storyline of the graphic novels. I wouldn't. It doesn't ever get too close to it really. Mm -hmm. um, but it's enjoyable if you go into it expecting fantastical characters and locations, a la Luc Besson in Fifth Element. But just understand that the characters, you know. It's it's no Lilu Dallas, right? You know where those characters like um, Corbin Shine. Dallas, Lilu Dallas, they're yeah. they're compelling. They're you like them, you want them to succeed. You just don't really care about these guys. Gotcha. So if you want to see a good version of Valerian, go see Star Wars. Got it. Go see Star Wars. Put Star Wars on and the Fifth Element on. <laughs> <laughs> just if you uh, get those, uh, you know, you can now if you have passive 3D, oh. have um, the glasses on and <laughs> what, like you, one of you can watch Star Wars, one of you can watch um, Fifth Element, or maybe you can just like get one eye going oh, on there each. There you go, and your brain very explodes. quickly. Exactly, and then that there you nailed it. All right, moving on 
to video game news. Yeah. Um, Pokemon Go Fest, we talked about this last week. They are now doing a lawsuit. This is a class against action who? lawsuit lodged against mm -hmm. Niantic. Ah, gotcha. uh, it's been lodged against Niantic uh, by a couple dozen uh, Pokemon Go Fest attendees. It's being uh, run by a, a lawyer out of Chicago. Uh, they are they want restitution for Did they get refunded already. They so Niantic uh, offered refunds for uh, entry into the events, the, the twenty dollars wristbands. They uh, gave everyone a hundred dollars in free Pokecoins, and they gave everyone a free Lugia, which is one of the the crazy awesome Pokemon that everyone's looking for. So I guess if you travel, the there's a lot of travel. Yeah. Um, what they're yeah, what people are looking for is they want their travel expenses reimbursed. Now, since this is a class action lawsuit, however. They, if the lawsuit uh, wins and Niantic is held accountable, then they end up essentially being responsible for a stipend for everyone who attended, because that's the that's the mm. danger of class action lawsuits, right? Is then they award the money and it gets divvied up among right. everyone. And the lawyer makes the money. Yes. Yeah. Traditionally, that is the way it goes. But uh, it's kind of crazy because, uh, on the one hand. Uh, Niantic has admitted fault. They admitted the event didn't go the way we expected it to go. And that's part of the danger of admitting fault mm -hmm. is that it then opens you up to people going after you for this kind of thing and having a leg to stand on. But on the other hand, they didn't make you travel. They didn't make you come to the event. If you choose to travel, but they set certain look, expectations. You they did. Stream they did, <laughs> but then they also gave everyone the, the thing they would have the gotten. The thing there they for? would have gotten. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair point. Except for the experience. Hmm. Well, they got. They did get an experience. They did get a story. It, to tell. It's like having gone to Fire Festival. Oh, you're, man. you're like, I was there. People are talking about yeah. that. Like that was an experience. I'm topical. It's or DashCon. Yeah, or DashCon. Yeah. And it's true. Like I would now be like, I want to go to Pokemon Go Fest. How many people at DashCon you think tried to, st to steal one of the balls from the ball pit? Oh God! I mean, so the thing is, I think they had a, like a laser perimeter. You had to go through one of those like crazy mm. laser mazes in like your cat suit in order to get close enough to steal one of the balls and get away. Because it was just like a tiny little ball pit in the middle of the of a huge ass room oh. on a concrete floor. <clears throat> and I hadn't seen this, but I guess apparently Niantic has decided to delay their upcoming European events. Not all of them, this. but Probably they are delaying. The they are delaying two events, uh, ostensibly to get stuff in place so this sort of thing doesn't happen again. Um, you know, go buy a bunch of internet trucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're uh, delaying the August 5th event for Copenhagen and Prague and the August 12th event in Stockholm and Amsterdam until a later date in the fall. Uh, does not affect Yokohama, Japan on August 14th uh, or events in France, Spain and Germany on September 16th. Yeah, so there's a couple that are that are being affected but not all of them. Do you think maybe they're doing that by ticket numbers or? Um, I think they may also be doing it just uh, by lead time because they, if it's like, oh, September, we can get it fixed by then. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, August is like, it's, we're talking a couple days here that may be uh, difficult for them to set a new infrastructure in place for these events that are just about to happen. They didn't delay Japan in August. Yeah. Japan's got their shit on lockdown. Japan's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm sure Japan's ready. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Japan is like all digital anyway. They won't even notice the load. Mm -hmm. um, but it does make you feel bad for people who traveled from Japan for Pokemon <laughs> Go Fest. Yeah, I mean, no, it's still shitty, and, and, and that sucks that people had such a negative experience there. Um, I mean, but we'll, I, I, I don't know if it's worthy out. of a lawsuit. You know, I feel like if we all, if we travel for events, assume some 
risk. We're not, we almost will never get the experience that we go in hoping for in any case. Yeah. You know, everyone wants so. to do something and you, you know, you tick the boxes <coughs> that you can, but every event is kind of a lottery. Uh, and you assume tough, that, yep. you know, you, you assume a risk when you go to an event, especially if it's a very first year event. Mm -hmm. Next up, just a tiny note, I'm excited about this one. There's a Splatfest this weekend. Oh, I guess Where? I've been playing some Splatoon 2. Yeah, I okay, great. That. Yeah, I like Splatoon. Yeah, um, yeah so Splatoon 2. Mm -hmm. um, Ryan, you're not playing Splatoon. I still haven't played it yet. Right, no. okay, so uh, every now and again they have these weekend events where they're sort of face-offs. Uh, they did one previously before the game came out, It was, but everyone could download and basically play through it as a, as a timed demo of the uh -huh. game. And they, you could pick, are you on the cake side or are you on the ice cream side? And so they would do a face-off of like which one is better, and then the teams fight. Why, why does cake have to fight ice cream? They go so well together. Well, yeah, so do ketchup and mayonnaise, but they're gonna fight this weekend. That's the sides. Which I'm super confused what about ketchup and mayonnaise. I'm ketchup. Mayonnaise. Uh, I. The thing is, uh, I would have expected it to be mustard, but I also understand mm. that um, mustard isn't necessarily what? big in Japan. So you put both on French fries. Yeah, if you if you mix mayo and ketchup. No, there are people that use mayo on. That's called fry sauce. Fries, mm. just like straight up mayo. Gross. Like uh, ketchup, well, ketchup. I mean, it's like aioli, right? Yeah, I Basically hate, I hate ketchup. I can't eat ketchup. No? I, Gross. I really like mixing ketchup and mayonnaise for fries, actually. That's called fry sauce, by the way. It helps. You, you keep saying it. It doesn't make it true. Yeah, it's, it is. It, it, it is. <laughs> this is, this world. is a Utah thing. And you can, if you add just like a little bit of like pickle juice or something, get that brine. It's so delicious. I made a I'm fortune gonna, cookie. I'm, you did make a fortune cookie. You did. Uh, I'm going to make you guys fry sauce, and you're going to like it. Nah. Yeah. Just give me some fry sauce minus ketchup, and I'll be happy. Just what do you do with fries? Juice. I eat them dry. I do like dry well, okay. fries too. You know, dry I like fries dry fries. Are, fries, are well. fries. So, sometimes I'll <clears throat> eat them with mayonnaise, but it's that's very rare. Yeah. So the uh, the Splatfest happening this weekend. You can <laughs> sign up now. I did a poll on Twitter. It's like 4,000 responses so far. So pretty good sample size, and so far it's like 66. See, look, fry sauce. This is the definition. Created this, by Arctic Circle in 1960. Yes, where, by the way, my dad had his first job. At I Arctic am basically, Circle? I am fry sauce, yes, I am wow. fry sauce royalty. I guess. <laughs> did, oh, was your, your dad your the one that did it? I think he was a cashier, but yes, <laughs> my dad made fry sauce. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so far, catch up winning by 66%. Team Mayo, get on it. All right, it's Pearl needs help. I feel like Pearl keeps getting boned in which side uh, of the People don't like her. I, I, like, I like Pearl. Well, everyone's just like total, total boners for Marina. Yeah, Marina's pretty awesome. Um, so, and she's side ketchup. All right. But I did like Pearl's analogy that ketchup is basically just salty jam. Yeah. Because it's right. true. It is a tomato. Yeah, okay. Uh, but also, mayo. Yeah. Any sort of quantity, anyway. But just wanted to let everyone know it's a Splatfest. If you haven't played Splatoon 2, this is a good time to try it. It's just a stupid fun event for the weekend. Also, uh, I finally managed to play Salmon Run online. I still haven't. I hear they made it 24-hour or 12-hour blocks. Yeah, I think they're doing 12-hour blocks, uh, but it's still not available all the time, which sucks because it's actually super fun. <laughs> and I was worried about playing it with randoms because it seems like the kind of mode in which communication is pretty important. Uh, and God knows, no one's using voice chat. 
So uh, I was worried about it, but it actually played just fine with randoms, and I had a lovely time. Nice. The tutorial for it is super long, though. It tells you, it basically walks you through how to kill every boss. Well, that seems like important information, but I... It does, but as, as opposed to just throwing you in and letting yeah. you trial and error it and, and it. learn your way. No, it just tells you. It's like, this one has a train. The guy is at the end of the train, so shoot him. This guy you're going to want to knock down and then shoot from behind. This guy's got a bubble you want to shoot off. And so it, like, it takes you through each one, which I think is a little overboard. But once you get into it, really great. Splatoon 2 is not a game that minds wasting your time. It does not oh, mind true? wasting your time. Like every time, every you, time you go to log in, for example, it pulls up Pearl and Marina's show where they'll take you through all of the maps are being played, even though no one cares. Who fucking cares? I don't need to. I don't need them to tell me that every time I start the game. I'm just going to join into a room. And you know what? Put me in whatever map you want. It's that not like I have a huge good. choice anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit tedious. Mm. But, right. That's uh, a hold over from the original Splatoon as well. But regardless, I'm still playing it. Every, yeah, every day, uh, I just need a couple minutes at a time, hop in a match, having a great time. Uh, I was really proud of how well I've been doing lately. And then I realized that it's because once you hit 10, you can enter ranked matches. And so all of the like good players, they moved they've on. moved on to ranked uh -huh. matches or league play. <laughs> and I'm sitting there in, in the normal being like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, maybe I'm not good, but I'm, uh, you know, I will be a big fish in a little pond. How about that? I'll I'll do that too. All right, like a salmon. It. Uh, we are. There's a river though. In the middle of summer. There's a pond at the top. Right, there might be. It is. We're we're sort of in the end of a little bit of a summer lull. A lot more games are about to to come out. Um, but there's a lot about summer we like. Like you know what else is nice about summer? The heat, because you can sit around in your underwear. Oh. And that's why I'd like to thank MeUndies for sponsoring this episode of Glitch Please. They are going to help you look fantastic while you're sitting around in your underwear, playing video games, beating the heat, because MeUndies is made from a fabric that's three times softer than cotton. It's micro-modal. You, you got me undies? Yeah, I do. You yeah. love them? Yeah. Super comfy? Yeah. I'm wearing some right now. I'm wearing some. Yeah. I'm wearing some right now. What's that? Maroon ones on they, right now. they really have every, I, my underwear drawer now. I've got all my like old boring ass underwear and I'm like, I think it's pandas today. And it's, <laughs> I have a, a wonderful time. August is actually National Underwear Month, by the way, and to celebrate, MeUndies is making it easier than ever to try the world's most comfortable underwear by giving you a risk-free guarantee. All National Underwear Month long, if you don't love your MeUndies, they're free. MeUndies are made from lensing micromodel. It's a sustainably sourced, it's natural soft fabric, uh, and it's all natural, all natural, Natural, <laughs> breathable, eco-friendly fabric. It's extruded from Austrian beech trees, and it inhibits odor, so you won't even stink. <laughs> no stinky undies, just soft, cool, cozy me undies. Me undies are the ultimate feel-good undies for when you want to feel naked, but not actually be naked. And for the ladies, me undies feature soft black seams that minimize slippage without sacrificing style. And they're super comfy in every cut. Bikini, thong, boy short, cheeky reef. Uh, personal favorite, the bikini, highly recommend. And uh, all uh, National Underwear Month long, you can feel them for yourself risk-free. It's simple. If you don't love your me undies, they're free. Trust me, they don't want them back. Uh, now, until August 31st, you can get 20% off your first pair, plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash glitch. That's MeUndies.com slash glitch. Come on, it's like free underwear. Why wouldn't you? Now let's talk about summer lols. Lol. <laughs> the 
we don't get this a lot anymore where there's a sort of period between games. We used to have January, and now January's been filling up. Yeah, the early part of the year now is like mm. a secondary hotspot. Yeah, it's just Christmas keeps on going. Like, look it's how many Christmas games we money. had yeah. February, March. There was really no let up after the Christmas holiday this year. Uh, the last few weeks have been a little bit lighter on game releases. Uh, Splatoon 2 came out on the 21st, um, but in the last week, uh, we've only had we had uh, Danganronpa, another episode, Ultra Despair Girls, uh, Metopia, Hey Pikmin, um, the uh, the Long Dark uh, came out, and uh, Tacoma just hit as well. Yes. So we're starting to get a couple more of those releases, but basically up until uh, Tacoma, <coughs> it was oh, and the Long Dark has been available, just um, exiting now they access. Have, like, Congratulations. Story, though, yeah. Yeah. It was the last time I checked in with Long Dark. It was just a survival game. Yeah, that but uh, I, you know, honestly, huge props to them for exiting early access. That is Dream Daddy. Oh, Dream Daddy was yeah. What day did Dream Daddy actually <coughs> end up coming out? Because I know it was intended to come out like earlier, and then it had the whole delay. Last Wednesday or the Wednesday before? It was the one before. Yeah. Well, we've been having a lot of fun streaming Dream Daddy. It's weird uh, that all of the summer would not be a hotter spot for that sort of thing. Because do you think the you know younger Kids are, are out of school, they're at home looking to do something. They're bored, they want to burn the world. Maybe they got a summer job, they may even have some money. Well, they may be catching up on the ones that they missed earlier in the well, spring. That's actually what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, you know, like I finally finished Persona, I went back to Minecraft, although I can't beat that. Uh, I'm, I'm going on vacation this weekend, and so I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Zelda because I specifically stopped playing Zelda so I can play it on planes. Nice. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I'm also going to take Persona 4 Golden on Vita to start playing. But uh, my my backlog, because we have had so many fantastic games this year, is still huge. I haven't finished Horizon Zero Dawn. And so that, that's that, my backlog. That's a shame. I know. That's a mark of shame. You should finish that immediately. You got till fall for the DLC, but still. Right. Go so, beat. but, uh, I mean, in a way, these lulls, because they are becoming fewer and further between. A bit of a blessing, really, because you do get to clear a backlog. Have you been clearing out any backlog stuff? No. Do you, do you have, do you keep a backlog even? Like, do uh, you make note of games that you haven't finished that you want to go back to, yeah. or when you put it down, do you walk away forever? I, I have a real problem going back to them. Like, I, I've never beaten The Witcher 3, uh, and that's a game that I, I want to play, but usually the games that I end up putting down and, and never making it back to are the ones where I know it's all a huge commitment. Like, you don't just blow through The Witcher 3 in a weekend. Uh, you're gonna have to play for a while. And it's there's a lot going on. Uh, the last time I was playing it, I got a pretty good ways into it, but admittedly at the time, what kind of drove me away from it was there were several quests that if you're an explorer, I kept breaking quests. Where I would well, you should stop. Well, I just, you go look and they're like, oh, look, there's a chest over there. And I open the chest, it's like, oh, that was the end point of a quest that started. And now I can't get rid of the quest. It's just there forever on my quest list. Mm. And I hate having things on my quest list yeah. that I can't get rid of. I feel that. It drives me crazy. And that partially drew, kind of drove me away. And then also, I stepping away to play something else, and it's a game that's hard to jump back into just because there's so much going on. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's tough. So, there, yeah, there are games out there that I want to go back and do. Um, I have beaten the last Assassin's Creed yet and that was a very enjoyable game I just need to go do it uh, yeah there's a bunch of things out there that I just need to go do and just it's hard to get back into it one of the challenges too of going back to a game that you already have progress in is if it's been a while and 
the game now expects you to know things. Yeah. It expects you to know mechanics and to have your traversal down so you can do like your, you know, your jump and tuck and roll, of course, mm -hmm. because you remember exactly what that is because theoretically, if you've been playing it all in a row, it's built up to that by teaching you all the steps in between. Uh, you go back to it having forgotten it or say you've been playing on the Switch instead and now your button memory is all messed up mm -hmm. uh, and you go in, <coughs> You don't remember anything. You're flailing around like a fucking idiot, and it can be really frustrating to yeah, go yeah. back. I'm kind of scared of that for uh, when I go back to Horizon Zero Dawn for DLC, or when I go for like mm -hmm. a hard mode run through. I'm dreading. <laughs> well, at least a hard mode run through, you'll kind of go back through a lot of that introductory stuff. Yeah, but it's not going to be as good as I was. And then when you're playing hard mode, you need to. You need, you well, need to get you, good on your game. Your, your muscle memory will come back. I think. Like Hopefully. you'll. Like you'll. It's somewhere in your brain, right? It's just that maybe the links are temporarily disconnected because they were being used for something else. Yeah, I will so say it just you takes could, time. You could really suck your way through Zero Dawn uh, without in hard mode, though. Well, no, I'm saying just the regular game. You could really kind of just be just awful, shitty, yeah. which is probably and, what you did, Gus. Yeah, I probably did. Like there were so many mechanics that I I realized I could have used and never did, like the whole like. Sliding between the legs, yeah. and it goes into slow mo, and that like, looks pretty shoot. sweet. Looks amazing. Plus, they, a lot of them have underside vulnerable spots. Never did it. Also, a lot of the extra it, weapons, like the trip casters and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. Like I, I mean, I had them. I was like, I guess maybe I'll try it. But weapon it management in that game was not good. Definitely, there were too many weapons, and you wanted to use, be able to be more flexible with them, and couldn't because and, you had to like take stop, take it out of weapon wheel, put a different weapon. And it was, that was a, a was real clunky. problem with that game. Do you think any of that can be addressed with DLC? Do you think they can update those systems, no. or do you think they're going to need to wait for a totally yeah. new game? I think the, if they do a, a Horizon Zero Dawn 2, then that's where we'll get that. Which I, I like to think they will. They, the it's, the, the I mean, world they, still exists, and is somewhat... There's an ambiguity Thematically the prepared yeah. for it. Well, they did also say beforehand... Uh, I can't remember if it was Sony who said it. It might have been Sony saying that it's a promising new franchise. Mm. So it doesn't seem like they intended to uh, for Zero Dawn to be the end right. of these games. <clears throat> um, and have you been playing anything catching up, Gus? No, I haven't, but I've been doing something dangerous. What have I've, you been doing this I've been dangerous? started looking at early access games. Mm. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I can't commit myself to buying it. Like, there's some that I'm looking at that I'm like, ooh, that looks really good. But, like, that just launched. There's no way I'm going to get into that right now. Like, I don't want to be pissed off at this game for years and then have it maybe never come out. Right. Like, you don't want to play, you don't want to pay to play the broken version yeah. of the game. Yeah. I discovered maybe the, the best possible game for me. There was uh, there's an early access game that's coming out later this month. Paperwork Sim? Called Airport CEO. Oh god. <laughs> oh no. And I was like, that looks awesome. Then I was like reading through the Reddit comments about it and someone was like, someone wrote, this just looks exactly the same as Sim Airport. And I was like, what the fuck is Sim Airport? <laughs> and it's another early access game that I think came out back in March. That's the exact same thing. It's just like building and managing an airport. And have you got that one? I have one? not, because they're both still in early access. Well, okay. one's not out yet. It's coming in early access. The other one's still in early access. Do you consider uh, having been in early access for several months to be enough of a buffer, or are you waiting for... So oh, here we is. have up on the screen That's Airport, airport CEO, CEO, which is the one coming out later this month. And Sim Airport looks very similar, very similar ideas. Um, I, I would like to see a roadmap. I'd like to know that there's an end in sight. Uh, then maybe I'd be willing to give it a shot. And as you can tell, it looks a lot like Prison Architect. 
Yeah, it's becoming, I think people are getting a lot more gun shy because while there are a lot of successes, again, uh, Long Dark just left Early Access. It's now mm -hmm. a fully launched game. Um, actually, Ark uh, Survival Evolved is uh, just about to leave Early Access as well. So there are games that do it and do it very well. Yeah. Uh, there have been so many issues with Early Access games and also crowdfunding games recently that mm -hmm. it can. a lot of people don't necessarily dare... Uh, dive in until something is yeah. finished and ready to go. Yeah, and I also was not familiar with these devs, either of them, so I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have a wait and see approach until we get a little I guess further it also on. depends on what they're pricing it at, is it like? Uh, Sim Airport is at $19.99, okay. but that's not the one we saw. We saw Airport CEO, which is not priced currently because they're not uh, for sale yet. But, gotcha. you know, early access typically is in that range mm -hmm. uh, until they uh, double it. <laughs> yeah. But have you do you do you have a I don't know backlog philosophy? Do you ever set goals or like a list of like yeah, here's my I mean, list of shame? Yeah, I have, I have plenty of games that I need to get back to, but invariably I just have trouble going back and picking them up. Yeah, you know, uh, like Battlefield One was a big one for me. I, well, like story mode. Yeah, I started playing it, and then uh, my Xbox ate my save somehow. And I was like, I don't want to restart that game. And it's just like, anytime I see it, I'm like, well, I really should go and play it, but now I'm just, I get mad when I see it. You should get mad. Is it Xbox saves everything to the cloud now? Yeah. Nothing should ever be getting eaten. You gotta eat. That's the, you gotta eat. That's the beauty of cloud saves. I don't know what we did before them. Yeah. They're amazing. I now just have an automatic grudge against any game I get off Steam that doesn't support the Steam Cloud saves, because yeah. I'm like, I know you can do it! And there's some that don't do it by default. I think it was Civ Five. You have to go into the settings and enable uh, Steam Cloud support. I think right. originally XCOM didn't. You are correct. Which and there, really there are some games that I understand, uh, like uh, Undertale, I don't believe it does. But that's also because of its uh, its meta memory, yeah. or whatever that, that theoretically, if you just had everything saved on the cloud and that's all I had to reference, you could delete your games and it couldn't remember everything, even though. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the charms of Undertale. Um, this is actually a good opportunity just from the early access thing to bounce into our next topic of discussion, which is games that get better over time. Mm -hmm. Yes? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what was that? It, it was, was No Man's Sky. Trying to hump the well, I recognize life. that, but... Uh, so, No Man's Sky came out one year ago. It came out mm -hmm. uh, August 2nd. 2016. It has been one year. The game has. What did we make fun of before No Man's Sky? I don't even remember. Oh, there are always. <laughs> There's always something. Um, you know, before that, uh, we could make fun of Diablo's stupid error. Before that, we could make. Like, there are a lot of games that have had rough launches, but the developers for No Man's Sky have put out several updates in the in the time between now and then. They put out the Pathfinder update. Um, they've got their uh, ARG going right now for. Um, for their next next update, um, they've added. Uh, so they added the base building. They added um, the the more like planetary traversal and all that sort of cool stuff. So they have improved the game and are taking steps towards kind of making it the game that everyone hoped it could be. Uh -huh. Still not multiplayer. Uh, don't think it ever will be. But it is a game that has spent the time and improved. And it's not actually the only one. There are a lot of games that come out and they have kind of rough launches and then they fix that stuff and go on to become great successes. I, when I think of Diablo 3, I don't think of the rough launch. Yeah. 
I think of the fun I had with it after they fixed it, but I also wasn't there for the launch. Mm -hmm. I, because of all that, I held off. Um, and if I had experienced launch, I don't know if I would have gone back. You know, I, 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 the, the launch was rough. I played it at launch, and I mean, I didn't mind it. I had a, I had a fine time. And Diablo 3 is one of those games that I still consistently played quite a bit since then. It's uh, just a fun game to pick yeah. up, and it is, it's straightforward enough that I can get by until I remember yes. how to it's play it very, properly. It's very easy to pick back up. Um, you know, but there, so is that. Um, also, since I've been playing a lot of Minecraft, I was thinking about how far that's come. I ran across some killer bunnies, which was very exciting. Uh, and, you know, they've added, they've added horses, and they've added, I don't even, there's so many new elements now. I mean, Minecraft was basically early access before early access was a thing. It they was. They never stopped. Because they, yeah, they had their own launcher. It was years and years and years where they were, like, adding new stuff and building new stuff, and they, and like you said, they haven't stopped. I don't know. I'd be like, it's also a weird model in that when you have a constantly evolving game like that, it'd be really difficult to ever do a Minecraft 2 mm -hmm. because the game that we have now is so different than the game that launched. Yeah. So instead, what they do is they just offer it on new platform. Yeah, Minecraft yeah. is just, it just exists. And we've made jokes about this. Minecraft yeah. just exists as a service. Mm -hmm. It's like you have Minecraft and it's on all of your sh <gasps> Oh no! Oh. Uh. Oh. Typically, you don't want to pour water into electronics. Yeah, well, at least it was cold water. It's cold water. It's good. So yeah. the cold water is way safer. Yeah, absolutely true. Don't worry. Um, where, where did you move on to? Sorry, I stepped um, for a second. I think we stopped because I was very worried about. Oh, no, no, don't worry about my laptop. I back. I have good data management, and I just backed this laptop up right before I came on a set. You, it's you as if you knew. save everything. Yeah, I'm always you like ready. a towel. A towel. That might be good. Thank it's you. Just uh, you know, zip it up in a big bag of rice. You'll be good. It'll be fine. All right, now it's time for the hands-on demonstration portion of Glitch, please. <laughs> you know, in all the years I've had computers, I've never spilled water on one until right now, and we got it on camera. Well, as long as you film it, it's okay. That's yes. the motto of Rooster Teeth, right? Yeah, look, it's fine. Everything works. All good. I was even pulling up information to look at. Nice. Uh, I mean, I would argue that Destiny is definitely in that. Oh, absolutely. I would That's agree a good with that one. as well. It's a game that it launched, and everyone was pretty disappointed, um, but they didn't really have any time to tell you why. They didn't have time to tell you they were disappointed. And yet, they came out with several large-scale expansions that add a lot of content, that fixed a lot of the issues that the community had trouble with or that they weren't happy with. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, like, the people that, that stuck with it are very, very happy with the game. Uh, the, the transition to Destiny 2 is kind of something you might say Minecraft could do because they haven't... Really, well, they've overhauled a lot of the mechanics, but it's not that different of a game. That's true, but unlike Destiny, Minecraft doesn't really even have a meta story to That's fall true. back on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. Ha there's not a larger narrative driving all the players in a in a single direction. Mm -hmm. It's whatever you want to Go do with it. Go forth and live. Exactly, and whereas Destiny at least does have, here's what happens next in the saga. Yeah. So it does have a reason to move on to to a version 2.0. Also though, uh, it will theoretically be helpful for Destiny. Wasn't, didn't Bungie say that the reason there wasn't more DLC for Destiny 1 was because the, with the way the game ended up being built, uh, it was difficult to create new stuff and they wanted to rectify that with Destiny 2, which is why there's such a huge divorce. That does sound familiar, yes. Yeah, that sounds, I don't remember, but that, mm -hmm. yeah, that does sound like something I've read in the past. Yeah, so, but D Destiny, 
got hugely better. Weird over oversight, if that's true. Though. Yeah. It well, seems like if you're building a franchise that you're building as your 10-year mm -hmm. franchise, that uh, you would have the ability to update it and add new shit, make, it, make that easy. Yeah. Uh, they did seem to run into a lot of um, hurdles, though, uh, before that game came out, and they had to get it out anyway. Oh, there. So. It died. <gasps> no! Your laptop died? What if you tip it upside down? What do you do? How do we fix it? It's, it's like, Go to the Apple store. sorry, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's liquid coming out of the bottom. Oh, that's, that's probably bad. The... That's a bad sign. Nah, that's fine. It'll turn back on later. Yeah, it will. Well, uh... No, it's well, okay. Don't worry about it. Do we, should we have huh? a dirge? Nah, it'll be fine. No, it's a bag of rice. I've been thinking about buying a new one anyway. That's why I'm not that mad. <laughs> this is an excuse to actually buy one. I've had this one for like four oh, years. Oh, I get it. You accidentally spilled <laughs> Oh, water. no. Uh, but I think another one, another game that's gotten significantly better that people forget about is uh, Grand Theft Auto Online. You know, mm. it got delayed significantly from its initial launch. People couldn't connect. Nothing there were worked. hackers everywhere. Everyone mm -hmm. was furious about the microtransactions. There was not a lot of, I mean, there was a, a fair amount of content, but not nothing compared to what there's out there today. Yeah, yeah, it also just posted a record month in terms of revenue four years after it came out. Ben, can you do me a favor, please, and look up um, what it said it posted? This is the Gunrunner stuff. Yeah, it just came out in the, like the last couple of days. Is that GTA Online? I think made more in this last July than it's made any month up to this wow. point, which is saying something considering that it's been around for several years. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I will say it has gotten better, but at the cost potentially of GTA V story DLC. Yeah, do you I'm think we're about. ever going to get that? No. I don't think no. we are either. No, that ship has sailed. Yeah. We've got Red Dead Redemption coming out in spring, and well, we hopefully, um, you know, it was going to come out this holiday season, so they seem to have pretty clearly moved on with their lives. I. From a business standpoint, I have trouble blaming them because if you have this GTA Online racking in the money and you have an idea based on what, say, GTA 4 DLC did and so on, you know what it would make, or you can just let online keep making its money for you mm -hmm. and put out your the small free updates and trust in that economy, that's what you're going to do. Absolutely. Yeah and no. Like, I agree from a purely monetary standpoint. What they're doing is probably the best way to go. But at the same time, you got to think, what's it worth in terms of goodwill with your audience? Uh, if you make, are you telling DLC, me that you're not going to buy GTA Six? I mean, they're going to, but we're not talking about them not making money. I mean, they made a billion dollars on this game before they released the multiplayer. You, you released. They, they uh, made a billion dollars in like the first two days or something. Yeah, I mean, they're going to make money on any DLC they put out. There's no question. There's there's an install base out there to sell it to. Uh, and I think it would it would be good for the consumer base would love it. I mean, they would they would make their fans happy. At some point, it's great that you're making all the money. Make people happy too. Your game company. When do they pivot and be, and make GTA Online like Minecraft, where it's a service that's separate from the whole entity well, of I, the single player game itself, and you just buy it and live in that ecosystem. I thought that was kind of the like one of the intentions that they had is that GTA Online will live beyond GTA 5. Mm -hmm. They haven't said exactly how, you know, if GTA 6 is in a different landmass, I don't know how that's gonna fit into online, but they have said that GTA Online won't live and die with GTA 5. Interesting. I think the idea is for it to keep on keeping on mm. uh, in some way. 
So we'll see what that way ends up being. We have a, a pretty long wait ahead of us. It's going to be yeah. years and years before we get another GTA anyway, during which GTA Online will continue to rake in the, the cash. I would love to see some standalone story DLC. They did such amazing work with GTA 4. You know, the, like between Ballad mm -hmm. of Gay Tony, even like Lost and Damned. Although Ballad of Gay Tony, I think, was the is the best. The real winner. Yeah. Um, you know, and they showed that they were able to tell these like new, unique, awesome stories in this setting. And it was, you know, those were, you know, in a lot of ways, arguably, I, I kind of liked Ballad of Gay Tony better than GTA 4. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are in that boat. Uh, so I would be very curious to see what they would do with 5, but... I don't know. I don't think we're going to get it. No. So I can't find July's, but the company did just adjust their expected revenue uh, to between 1.65 billion and 1.75 billion compared to the 1.42 to 1.52. That's a lot of dollars. That's a lot That's of money. That's a lot of dollars for her something that, it, like, they, you know, they put out some new cars, they put out some new guns, they put out some new clothes, um, none of which is going to be taxing their development resources too heavily. Mm -hmm. well, you know, they do have to have people work on it. They do have to, because it is a persistent sort of world and it's an online game, they do have to have a, an entire support staff dedicated to it. But from the, like, developing new stuff aspect, not nearly as intensive as creating a new I game. mean, they did just release the Gunrunner update, which was a pretty big uh, drop. I mean, it had added new bases throughout the world <laughs> and new mechanics around that. So there's this one was a little bit more meatier than... Uh, this one was a little bit meatier, a little bit more meteor. I don't know what it came from outer space. Yes, it was a meteor. Uh, this one had a little bit more. Did they ever find out about what, what, the aliens? Did did that ever get solved? The uh, I don't remember there ever being a resolution. There's still more stuff they've dug up that's in the game, but uh, I don't know that there's like a. I wonder if any of that was left as breadcrumbs for DLC that they're not going to do. It could be. Oh, or that, interesting idea. Or that they may end up now folding into online in some way because they're not going to maybe mm -hmm. do the crazy alien invasion DLC for GTA V or whatever yeah. it is that they had. Because they put them there intentionally. They mean something. It's just whether or not those somethings got sort of Abandoned. written off. Yes. Yeah. Some people activated some kind of alien mission early mm -hmm. uh, back in July 1st, and they found out how to legitimately do it uh, saying that, that you had to complete 600 gun running missions before you had a chance to play some new alien encounter. 600 gun running That's a lot of gun running missions. That is a lot of gun running missions. Yeah. Especially because it takes a while to just do one. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the, the people that play online, like the, the really, the hardcore people that are still playing mm -hmm. GTA Online are the people who only play GTA Online, for the most part. Uh, and so they're like, 600, yeah, I can knock that out. I, I got uh. some time this weekend. <laughs> between between the Splatfest. Yeah. Um, all right, so I think uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot more stuff. We'll talk about uh, some of the new games that are coming out. Um, if you want to uh, email us at glitchplease at roosterteeth.com, um, we will take your questions and we will answer as many of them as we possibly can. Uh, and if you, if you're, depending on like where you're watching this or listening to this, if you want to give us a thumbs up, give us a nice review, let everyone know that you like the show, that's super helpful to us. And Gus gives, the, Gus and Ryan give you the thumbs up. <laughs> Uh, and then we will see you next week. If you're a Rooster Teeth First member, we will have a post show for you on our website. Bye. Bye.